0: Across the sea of character deep in the forest of D20s lies, the Mountain of Sourcebooks. Welcome to the Mountain of Sourcebooks. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and today with me I have Teach. Hello. And today we're we doing our oft-talked-of, but <laughs> oft-delayed review of dungeons and dragons wrath of the dragon god
1: yes this is the sequel of the really really bad D movie from 2000
0: yeah <laughs> so that the heroes saved the world their friend got revived somehow uh, and then none of that matters because they're not in this one
1: <laughs> yes we left our heroes in a really bad makeshift grave of snails Uh, The name on the grave just disappears, and they teleport to somewhere! And absolutely none of that matters, because it's never brought up in this movie. And I don't understand how this is a sequel.
0: Yeah, it is one of the loosest sequels I have ever seen. And that's saying something. (laughs) Loose, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get right into it. We start with opening narration. Somebody is talking about going on a difficult quest to obtain a powerful magical item. And accompanying that narration is a video showing a cloaked figure walking around with a goofy-looking CGI lava man.
1: (laughs) I feel as though in this part, they wanted a storytelling-style opening, Mm -hmm. but couldn't pick between animation, live-action, and CGI, so they just did it all, and then did it poorly.
0: I think the animation stuff was probably to save on budget, because if you look at it, it's all very big vistas and large creatures that have to do a lot of movement.
1: I guess, but I don't know. I couldn't, none of it made sense. It was like they couldn't make up their minds on a storytelling style.
0: Yeah, it was very jarring, uh, especially since it only kind of sort of makes sense. Because the next thing that happens is the cloaked man, like, gestures at the lava man, and it melts into a puddle of lava. And there's no explanation given for what was going on there. It just happens. <laughs> and then we, we quickly zoom off over a map to an island, and we see three cloaked figures push a small boat into water. And that's when the movie suddenly switches to a still hand-drawn style, showing a giant squid attacking the boat. And then they part the water, and then they go to a cave. As we said, it feels very disconnected and jarring. A little bit. A little bit. But this is where the movie actually kind of starts to tell its story, because one of the hooded figures reveals his hood and reveals that it's our old buddy Damodar, minus the blue lips this time.
1: Yes, our old buddy blue lips without the blue lips. (laughs)
0: Uh, And despite the fact that the previous movie clearly showed that his curse was lifted, uh, we found out that it actually wasn't in this one somehow. (laughs) Always a good sign for your sequel when the only returning character is the one who died last time.
1: So, like, I guess my understanding was the curse was supposed to be lifted, but the other guy just never got around to it. Or something.
0: The dialogue states that he never got around to lifting the curse, but we just watched the movie not that long ago. I went back and checked. He definitely lifts the curse before they start fighting everybody.
1: And I guess that's the only way that it's a sequel also it's supposed to be set in the same land as before but apparently so much time has passed they pronounce the land differently
0: yes from izmir to ishmir (laughs) whatever maybe if this was like the real world with the same time scale that we have but this is a world where elves live over a hundred years on average 100 years isn't going to lead to that kind of cultural drift in their language.
1: No. (laughs) Mm
0: -mm. Yeah. So anyways, Damodar has found the magic orb that he's looking for and he picks it up and it restores him back to a normal human because at this point he had been undead from the curse. Yes. And then our scene switches to this movie's hero, Sir Beric. He's in a meeting with an advisor and he's bored. And he looks out and sees a group of soldiers and decides he's going to go out and challenge one of his students to a duel. He wins, but the student, Valerius, reveals that he lost on purpose because he didn't want to embarrass his old teacher. Basically just there to set up that Beric is past his prime. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of like that. I, we always see, like, young kids just becoming heroes. I kind of like the idea that we're following someone who's been at it for a while and maybe has, is not as good anymore. Point in the movie's favor. <laughs> uh later that night we meet Beric's wife melora who is a mage and she's desperately trying to multi-class into cleric because apparently no mage has ever done that in this setting she thinks this will get her a seat on the council of mages <laughs> and when you see how that plot that thread gets resolved oh it's <laughs> hilarious i laughed out loud <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I'm, I'm excited, or I was excited to see that the mages weren't
0: useless in this. Yes, she gets to do so much, actually, even though she's separated from the party. Alright, so while Melora and Beric are talking about her attempt to multi-class, a, a man barges into their home and tells them that his village is under attack. He explains that two men went from his village went into a cave in the mountains and never came back. So, how they arrived at the conclusion this is some kind of attack and not just two idiots getting lost in a cave, not explained. Nope. <laughs> the three of them venture out into the night and find their ways to the caves, where they find it full of gas. Melora uses some magic to blow the gas away and reveals the two dead bodies of the missing men. They proceed to then completely ignore the bodies and not even acknowledge them, they continue to explore the cave to find out what was causing the gas. Well, I say exploring, but literal steps away, they find a sleeping dragon. And Beric, our hero, decides that the wisest way to reveal this discovery to the others is to open the dragon's eyelid by hand and have a conversation right next to it at normal speaking level. Yes. Because that won't wake the dragon. (laughs) Nope.
1: This was their amazing decision.
0: (laughs) So they evacuate the town off screen and everybody returns home. To the, to the main town, which I don't think is ever named. Our two heroes do some research and determine the era from which the dragon probably last rampaged across the countryside, but their one lead is in code and would take a long time to decode, and Melora doesn't want to check with the Council of Mages because, as she figures it out for herself, maybe she'll get up that promotion she wants. Yep. Uh, so she uses a spell to look into the past, and it is very confusingly shot so i'm very glad that they explain what happens later uh she learns that damodar has the orb sees some images of faceless cloaked figures and some leaves and acorns and suddenly damodar is there and he's holding a lock of her hair which he uses to put a curse on her
1: yeah i'm not sure how he gets the hair did he, like, reach through the portal or something and get her hair? Like, I was very confused by this.
0: Well, There wasn't even, like, a portal. It was, like, a vision. So he reaches through her mind to physically cut off some of her hair? <laughs> it makes no sense. But at least the movie acknowledges that. Because she doesn't know how he did it either.
1: Yeah, that's true. She does acknowledge, like, what the heck just happened. This doesn't make <laughs> any sense.
0: Yeah, so Damodar puts a curse on her. Melora tells Beric what happens, because she's woken up, and I guess when Damodar, like, broke her vision, it caused an explosion? The books that they had been looking at earlier, they had fallen on the ground in a way that caused the pattern on them to line up. So, they arrange it so they're properly lined up, and it magically turns the four books into one book that they can now read properly.
1: <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then the next day, the Council of Mages catch wind of the dragon business and confront them about it. Damodar talks to them through magic and explains what he did. Uh, He explains that he has the orb and he's going to use it to take revenge against all of Ishmir for the century that he spent as an undead.
1: Which I don't get, because it's not their fault.
0: Yeah, I guess since he has also realized that none of the other characters returned, (laughs) he's just going to go against Ishmir itself.
1: I am just <laughs> really angry.
0: So the king decides to set forth a party of adventuring heroes to retrieve the orb. He picks Beric to lead the group. Uh, Melora wants to go, but she can't because of the curse. She's already too weak. I find it funny, though, that the, at this point they don't even know about the curse. They, they just believe that she's out of spell slots.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: 20 minutes into the movie, we finally meet the rest of the adventuring party. The Barbarian Lux, who gets into a bar fight with two guys to steal a map. Uh, the Cleric Dorian, who gets mad because a couple of guards walk into the temple and don't take their shoes off. So he uses magic to knock them down. <laughs> I guess that's one way to show off his power.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: then we got the Elf Wizard Ormeline, who is... They show off, show her off by having her on a boat, not using her abilities at all. She's just on a boat. <laughs> Uh, and then, lastly, my favorite member of the crew, the halfling rogue Nim, who leads some customers into a dungeon to help them get some treasure, and then they shortchange him on a share, and so he intentionally leads them into a trap as revenge. Uh, meanwhile, the council of mages are working to find out how to put the orb back into its magic seal. And then we return to Damodar's lair, where he learn we learn that he drinks blood through a hole in his back for some reason. <laughs> that seems to be the whole point of that scene. I don't.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I. I...
0: I don't know. Maybe there's some D and D lore there that I'm not familiar with. I haven't studied up on liches.
1: <laughs> yeah, I- I'm not sure where that that came from.
0: So Beric reveals that his plan is to venture to a magic seeing pool that will allow them to determine where Damodar's lair is, so that they can use magic to teleport in past his defenses. Unfortunately, Beric doesn't know where to find that either. So first. They have to find and question some goblins that do. Great plan. Yes. <laughs> uh, before they take off, Melora is already starting to show signs of turning into an undead from the curse. There are earthquakes, which I guess are connected to the dragon waking up. So maybe opening his eyelid did start waking him up? I don't know.
1: Well, that would make sense, since, I don't know,
0: that's kind of how that works. The Council of Mages have decided that the book is keeping knowledge from them until they can prove that they're worthy of it. But they can't come up with a way to prove that they're worthy since the mages that made the book are all dead.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, then they decide to, uh, what was it, set it on fire?
0: Molora tries to summon one of those Lava Men to try and learn more about elemental magic since she figures since those dead mages specialized in elemental magic, maybe that will be their key to getting in. But immediately after she summons it, she passes out and loses control, and the Lava Man just starts lighting the whole place on fire.
1: That's where the fire comes from.
0: Yeah, uh, and then the the head of the mages has this funny-looking like, baboon staff that shoots water out of the head. Is goofy looking.
1: <laughs> yes. So
0: they use that to put out the fire. They examine Melora to find out what's going on with her, find out that she's cursed to become undead, and the only way to reverse that is to get the hair away from Damodar. So we switch back to our adventurers now, who have been spotted by a powerful lich named Clax, And he confronts them and tries to kill them for trespassing. They get away, but he sends a small army of spirits after them, but they jump into a boat that i don't know why it was there i guess somebody just left it there they jump into the boat and get across the water and even though they're spirits they can't get them for some reason
1: (laughs) okay so in this scene i feel like for the master of a sword barrick keeps handling his sword wrong (laughs) and he should have cut off his fingers like several times at this point
0: yeah probably (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I, I think the whole entire point of this scene was just, hey, everybody loves Lord of the Rings. Let's do that scene from the first movie where they're being chased by uh, ringwraiths. Sure. But without the budget. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. You're right. I will say, though, despite the fact that this movie clearly has less budget than the last one, the CG is better.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I know it's been four or five years since that one. But it's just weird to me. The CG creatures, while still looking bad, look so much better than the ones in the big budget Hollywood film. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's more of a testament to the technology enhancements over the over that period of time than it is the movie itself. Possibly. Yeah, the Lich, I guess just now notices that the orb is being used. So he follows the magic to Damodar's lair and offers his services to him and warns him of the adventuring party out to stop him. The adventurers find the goblin camp that they're looking for, but all the goblins are slaughtered, so they go around and start investigating it. They find a map, escape some traps, and then suddenly an ice dragon shows up. Uh, Dorian, the team's cleric, gets eaten.
1: Oh my gosh. Like, why (laughs) was the healer the one who was attacking the dragon first? Let me just tell you this. First to die is the healer.
0: Yeah. Why... He jumps out from cover. He was safe behind cover and he jumps out and starts trying to cast a fire spell against it.
1: Who plays like that?
0: <laughs> it's even funnier when you realize he was supposed to be like the not quite the wise mentor, but he was clearly being played as the wisest member of the party.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, nope, they're they're dead. They're dead. We're done. Movie over. Like, that's yeah, that was my conclusion. Oh, they're oh, they're just dead
0: first major battle of of their party, and they get their cleric dies. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Uh, They manage to kill the dragon with teamwork, uh, and we confirm that the cleric is indeed dead, because uh, when the dragon exploded, so did his body. Yes. (laughs) So all that's left him is one leg. (laughs) (laughs) So Melora is back to studying the magic book back in the city, uh, and she thinks they're supposed to set the book on fire to sort of prove that they understand their predecessors or something the reasons aren't quite clear but the council of mages aren't sure they can trust her because they're worried she's too far gone into turning into an undead and might now be evil
1: yeah also uh setting something on fire is usually not a way to prove yourself
0: Uh, yeah if she gets it wrong they're all dead a little bit a little bit dead Uh, But She convinces them to let her try, and the book burns up, and in its place are a bunch of acorns and leaves, and then a tornado flies up out of those, and they follow the tornado to a secret passage within their own castle that they didn't know about.
1: Surprise! (laughs)
0: Later that evening, the head of the Council of Mages is assassinated by a shapeshifter that takes his place. Yep. Back with our adventures, they follow the map and use a magic gem to see a statue with a puzzle in it, which they solve while being attacked by bandits, which a nice idea for a scene. I don't think the execution quite worked. <laughs> uh, they find their way down into the cave beneath the statue and immediately get ambushed by creatures hiding on the ceiling. They manage to escape into a puzzle room, and then maybe the funniest scene in the movie happens, where the, the mage pulls a porcelain dove out of her pocket and explains that it is her familiar (laughs) that she has known since childhood.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. This scene made me laugh so hard.
0: (laughs) So she speaks to the dove and it wakes up and turns into an actual dove and flies into the tunnel, into the hallway and immediately gets zapped to death by magic.
1: This is a bird who is a best friend since childhood. She will help us. Bird flies over the walkway and is electrocuted. Rogue laughs because he's just a jerk.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Eventually, they realize that one of the walls nearby is fake. Uh, They manage to open up the fake wall and reveal a mirror. And the mirror magically reveals which stones within the hallway they're able to step on without getting electrocuted which it's kind of annoying that they basically just repeated one of the puzzles from the previous movie but at the same time the execution was so much better
1: yes it was actually a puzzle and not just like i don't know what that was in the last movie but that was not it was just like like a maze it wasn't really a puzzle it was more like a a really deadly jungle gym
0: yeah the, well i think they called it a maze yeah but it was more of like just a three-room gauntlet of traps? <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like the execution was better here, even if the set didn't look as good. Yeah. But yeah, they they reached this, They solved the puzzle, reached the seeing pool, though the rogue didn't quite get through the hallway fast enough, so he got zapped and he's injured now. They talk about the fact that the scrying pool that they're looking into has an intentional flaw built into it by a demon that built it. And sometimes it'll show the location just slightly off so that if someone tries to teleport through it, they'll actually teleport into a wall.
1: Yeah, how terrible. Like, (laughs) you know that guy was just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Chekhov's gun, they established this thing because it's going to happen. They teleported and the mage has lost her hand in the wall. Yes.
1: Was it just her hand or was it the whole arm?
0: Uh, It was part of her arm i think it's everything below the elbow i'm pretty sure okay it was hard to tell because they don't immediately reveal that they just they show them teleport in and then there's a scream and you can't tell who screamed and then everybody falls down and then it's a couple seconds into the scene when you finally see her with her arm in the wall
1: yes you don't real is it is it after they get like away from the bad guy situation that you realize that her arm's in the wall because this is this is how it it went. Heroes go into bad guy lair. Good guys get trapped. Bad guy is warming up this orb thingy. Good guys escape the cage. Beric does an unnecessary jump, throws his sword. <laughs> yes. Catches it, <laughs> cuts off bad guy's arm holding orb and they teleport away all in like 30 seconds.
0: Yeah, I love how in the past movie, the last movie Damodar was just this take no prisoners, beat everybody swordsman, and somehow, after a hundred years of study, he's become less effective by becoming a mage? Mages are supposed to be the broken class.
1: I don't know, maybe maybe they were like, hey, we have a useful mage here. We gotta make useless mage somehow. Oh, I know, let's make the only bad guy the useless mage. (laughs) <laughs> and and then like he's powering this up for 30 seconds i i just i now picture what the bad guys in power rangers are doing as they're morphing that's kind of how this felt <laughs> w- waiting for him to power up just like waiting around looking at your watch and then they just they just escape they just escape. In thirty seconds,
0: I believe the rogue I believe the rogue throws a dagger at him to to break his concentration,
1: Ugh.
0: and then uh the fighter and the barbarian work together to break the cage, and that's how they get out, and then they teleport out,
1: yeah,
0: oh, Barak has to cut off the mage's arm as she teleports out because otherwise she won't be able to go with them, yes, because the teleport spell will consider her part of the wall, yes, so they. They teleport to a temple where they can get medical assistance for their two injured friends. So now the party is down from five to two with just Beric and Lux, the barbarian, which doesn't last very long because they realize they're being followed somehow. Uh, So the barbarian agrees to stay behind, to hold their ground, to hold off the enemies. And Beric just jumps on a horse and runs off with the orb. And they shoot the scene in a way that makes it look like Lux is dead. But that's the last time we see her for now. Yes. Barracks makes it back to town. The king leads him to a secret passage. They place the orb in a wall and it shows them this hidden like temple space. Uh, And they all head inside. And then the shapeshifter decides that now is the perfect time to steal the orb. Yep. And he sets off a fireball spell and kills the king and a whole bunch of mages. Uh, Beric chases after the fake council leader and learns that it is actually Klax, the lich. I wondered where he got off to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Clax flies off with the orb and hands it off to Damodar, and Damodar uses it to wake the dragon. And then the dragon, I guess, steps on the orb? It's still early CG at this point, so it's not entirely clear what happens. I believe it steps on it to destroy it, because it's not needed anymore. Uh, and the dragon agrees to let Damodar be his servant... In exchange for sacrifices, uh, and goes to attack the city. And so here we are in the third act. Beric talks to his wife, and t- somehow in that couple sentences of conversations, she realizes she now knows how to multi-class into cleric. Yep. Something no wizard has ever thought to do.
1: Nope.
0: Praying. <laughs> <Mm-mm-mm>. <laughs> oh, just making these wizards seem really smart. <laughs> So uh, they take the acorns and the leaves that that appeared where the book was and they put it in the center of that temple room and a pillar of light grows up from them and Melora steps into the light and gains gains a new light orb that can counter the evil one. And they take it to the top of a tower to fight back against the dragon but Melora is so far gone from the curse now that she just kind of passes out and Beric sees Damodar over the, the city walls and rushes off to confront him. And the Lich sees him coming and says, all right, I'm out of here. You deal with him yourself. And Damodar, once again, being a competent mage, jumps on his horse and runs away. (laughs) Yep. Uh, The Barbarian randomly pops back into the movie from the trees and jumps out to scare the horse. And the horse drops Damodar. She almost kills Damodar, but Varric stops her because he needs to cancel out the curse. Uh, Meanwhile, in the city, the wizards think that Melora is dying, and so they try and take the orb from her to use it themselves. But the orb, I guess, decided that that wizard wasn't worthy and throws him off the tower.
1: Bye!
0: (laughs) Uh, Damodar agrees to stop the curse in exchange for his life. Melora instantly feels better, and she gets up, raises the orb, and casts some kind of cleric laser at the dragon, and it falls into the nearby lake, probably dead. Uh, And then Melora gets promoted, Everybody except the cleric lives, and Damodar's in a dungeon.
1: Okay, so one thing that really bothered me was the, uh, the fireball killed a bunch of people. A- and then you eventually revisit that area not too long after the fireball kills a bunch of people. And then where did the bodies go?
0: Yeah, there's one scene where there's a couple of bodies, way fewer than there should be, and then the bodies are gone. And also there's no scorch marks. Anywhere?
1: <laughs> I mean I can I don't know. It's stone, so maybe it's like not as scorching. I I don't know. But but the dead bodies are definitely like nope, nope, there's just there's sh- nothing there anymore. There were bodies there, and then they just disappeared.
0: Yeah. So ultimately my feelings on this movie, I kinda liked it better than the first one. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still a bad movie, but I feel like the ideas this movie had were better, even if the execution wasn't much better.
1: (laughs) This is better than the first one because the majority of things made sense and there wasn't anywhere near as much overacting. Yeah. Also, the mages weren't useless.
0: Yeah, the mages actually got to use magic quite a bit, actually.
1: Yes, the mages weren't useless, so I did appreciate that. Uh, I don't think any of the characters in general, were useless this time. Like, whereas the last movie, I felt like the most useful character was that side dude that didn't have a name that was in the garbage.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, Elwood, the the, the dwarf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he, uh, speaking of which, I am so glad we didn't have any useless comic, comedic relief characters in this one.
1: He was comedic relief, but I wouldn't say he was useless.
0: Yeah, he was good in a fight, but he never did anything for this story.
1: No, he didn't.
0: To the point where they didn't even give his name in the movie.
1: He was one of the most useful characters. That is my point.
0: <laughs> and no character whose job it was to say not to question the plot. No. Nope. That was a, that was an improvement.
1: That was. That was a great <laughs> improvement.
0: Good lord. And they actually used all the creatures in this movie the right way. Yeah. Nothing like in the last movie where they had these super intelligent uh, creatures acting as mindless guard dogs. But yeah, it was a bad movie, but I liked it more.
1: It was bad, but not as bad. That's key.
0: Yes. So there is one more direct-to-DVD live-action D&D movie. Are you serious? Yes, it's called The Book of Vile Darkness. It never even got an American release, Uh, at least at the time. It it may have since. Uh, I will find out.
1: (laughs) And I guess if you find it uh, coming in 2024 is our review of this awful movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that one might might find its way into year end uh, (laughs) next year. Uh, Speaking of which, a little bit of housekeeping for the podcast. This is going to be the last episode of the year. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a break, give ourselves some time to build up more of a backlog so that we will hopefully have less skipped weeks next year. Yes. And also at this point, Rose is probably actually going to be editing this episode. So with Rose assisting with editing, that should improve our production pipeline quite a bit. So... Hopefully the podcast will be in a much better place than next year. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that'll be all for this week. So, happy holidays. Happy New Year. We will see you in January.
1: See you then.